Welcome to The Perfect Stool, Understanding and Healing the Gut Microbiome. This is your host, Lindsay Parsons. Today, I'm going to be talking with Einar Jordan, who has an associate's degree in chemistry and microbiology, a Bachelor of Science, and a Master's in Project Management. He's a quality and process engineer, currently working as a project manager in research and development in the biotech industry. He's worked for over 25 years with tissue, medical devices, pharmaceutical, and biologic companies in different capacities. He's done repeated fecal transplants on himself using his son's stool to address various conditions, including interstitial cystitis and chronic bladder pain, fibromyalgia, IBS, histamine intolerance, chronic tendinitis, joint pain, and hair loss. But before our conversation, if you're a regular listener and you want to find a way to support the podcast, there are a few ways and links to them are all in the show notes, which are on my website, highdeserthealthcoaching.com. So first, if you're in the U.S. and you get supplements regularly and want vetted, high-quality ones, you can find them on my Fullscript or Wellevate dispensaries. Or if you're on a budget and just want low-cost supplements, I'm an affiliate of eVitamins and bulk supplements too. And then if you live in Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom, and of course the U.S., anything you buy through Amazon using links on my website will support the show. Or finally, you could become a supporter of the show on Patreon. And if you haven't yet followed or subscribed to the show, be sure to do so. And if you want to get transcripts of the podcast, pop over to my website, highdeserthealthcoaching.com, and sign up for my newsletter. You'll also get my free e-booklet, Finding Your Root Cause Through Stool and Organic Acids Testing, when you sign up. And if you haven't yet done my quiz on which stool test would help you get to your root cause, you can find a link in the show notes and take that. Now on to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Einar. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. Yeah, well, thank you for raising your hand to, to come on. So as I understand it, before resorting to a fecal transplant or FMT, you had already done a lot of things to address your health issues. So can you just give me a brief synopsis of when your health went downhill and why, and then what you did to address it up to the point of doing FMTs with your son's stool? Okay. Well, my health probably started going down around age 10, but it was not really noticeable until about 2006 where it really hit me like a like a ton of bricks and mm-hmm. I developed interstitial cystitis of the bladder. They still call it today prostatasis on males, but it does not seem to have a significant link to the prostate. Eventually with time I started developing IBS, fibromyalgia. So it was every couple of years I was developing something new. The tendonitis was so probably before even the IC of the bladder. And my sight started, my eyesight started deteriorating. I needed to have new glasses every year, every two years. Then my blood pressure went, started skyrocketing, triglycerides. I was pre-diabetic. It just, I lost most of my hair. The list is hard to even remember the list of things that I was developing. I I did not think I was going to live this long. TMJ, I think, was another one on there. Yes, TMJ was probably one of the last ones. I thought I had an ear infection. So to treat these conditions, I had to take clonazepam for five years, which is an awful medication. I mean, it saved my life for that period of time. It allowed me to sleep, but eventually your mental health starts deteriorating. I had chronic anxiety and depression as a consequence. I had it before, but it got much worse around four or five years of it. A lot of people may not know all these abbreviations so just, or even what these conditions are about, but just briefly, interstitial cystitis is like urgency and just sort of a constant feeling, almost like having a bladder infection, except that you don't. Yes, you you have to go to the bathroom about 50 to 60 times a day, so every 15 minutes or so. You, you feel like your bladder is full of blades and battery acid, 
and you lose your ability to sleep. You start losing your mind very slowly. It is a horrible condition. And yeah. I have a PhD on pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then TMJ stands for, what is it, 10? Transmandibular joint, I think. is. Uh, it is a, sort of an arthritis condition of the jaw where you feel like you have an ear infection at the same time as, as, a, as a very bad discomfort on the jaw. So every time you try to shoot things, your, your jaw really starts inf- getting inflamed. So it's kind of an arthritis of the jaw. Okay. And fibromyalgia, talk a little bit about what the symptoms of that are like. Fibromyalgia, they sometimes call it separately, so brain fog, but it's pretty much part of the same thing. You feel like you're burning and you lose your capacity to process uh, thoughts. You, you think very, very slowly. You're exhausted all the time. You have very, very little energy. So it's probably, I, I can probably, I never had chemotherapy, but that exhaustion that you get from chemotherapy and, and that, that weakness, it, it is something sort of like that to give you a, an image. Okay. And so when you say burning, you're talking your skin feels like it's burning. Yeah, your skin and, and your muscles. For me, it was the upper, the shoulders and arms. Anytime I, I left at a 10-pound weight, and I'll be exhausted for days and burning. Okay. Okay, so go on with your story about, about what you did about all that. So, I mean, I try, because I, I come from a scientific background, I'm able to read a lot of research articles, and I started doing experiments on myself based on whatever came out. If there was a medication that came out, I will immediately talk, convince my doctor and I'd show him the research or how this is helping. But everything was, a, at least on me, it was not helpful whatsoever. I did even some things that, that for me, because I had a, an pneumothorax, which means that my left lung collapsed at a very early age, so it had to be stapled shot. So I try uh, hyperbaric chamber therapy, and that made you feel a little better for a little while, but it was short-lived. Eventually, some people figure out that dairy was the biggest cause of fibromyalgia, and it, it seems to be dairy a big issue for at least most people. The, I think the theory is that, that lactose buildup puts pressure on the vagus nerve or something like that. So I cut off lactose. I started feeling better. Uh, my doctor kept on telling me to eat less meat and less fat, and I, that just got me even worse. So I did the opposite. I, I, I actually ran into Michaela Peterson and Jordan Peterson's story of how they healed themselves from, um, from multiple diseases, uh, with a carnivore diet. And so I did a, I, I did a keto diet that was very helpful. Then a carnivore diet was even better, but still I was unable to process foods. So I was, because it, most of these conditions are, are very high histamine intolerance. And my, my fear is that the histamine intolerance is due to the fact that you, you the food is not being processed through your body. So it's, it's rotting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if you try to eat any age food, they're hiring. The more you age the food, they're hiring histamine. So I, I ran into an IBS study because the IBS was now driving me. This is a new thing that was driving me crazy that they they were successful for six to months to two years doing an FMT. And I decided to to give it a shot. I, I couldn't figure out where I would find a healthy donor. But then it, it, it dawned on me that, you know, I, I uh, subconsciously was uh, raising my children to have an, a, a better than average autoimmune system or, or a microbiome by feeding them very low-carb diets, making sure they're breastfed, so they're much longer, 
there were also vaginal birth. There is all these conditions that, imp- that all these things that improve the person's microbiome and keeping them away from antibiotics. And I decided to test my son and it was very, very stressful. I tried to tell everybody that uh, even if I am used to doing experiments, I normally, even if I do them on myself, I normally never experience this level of anxiety. Within two hours of conducting the FMT, and I use capsules to the fecal transplant, I use enteric capsules. So yes, like I have people call me, and this this is not a simple thing. So a lot of people get desperate and they make a lot of mistakes. It's, it's incredible the number of mistakes people make. Uh, but within two hours, constant bladder pain just stop. The IBS kind of progress later on. It, got better about a day or two later because on the day I did the FMT, you had a little diarrhea. And I started testing on day one and two different things. So alcohol was something I could not touch. Uh, Very few types of alcohol, very little amounts. So I tested red wines, stout beers, pistachios, dark chocolate, coffee, within moderation. I have very small amounts, which I could not tolerate before in any way or form and I was able to tolerate them as soon as I did the the FMT so I did the FMT 10 days in a row okay so each day I consume yeah I consume via capsules a solution of 50 grams of of fecal matter which I, I separate from the solids okay and that that was how many capsules? It, the average, I'll say, is about 100 capsules a day. Wow. 0.8 milliliters per capsule. That you feel very bloated. And did you do those all at once or like throughout the day? So my the protocol I recommend, and, and I want to uh, specify that I'm not a doctor, <laughs> okay. I'm not a nutritionist, to make sure that the capsules release in the intestine. I fast for 16 hours because food can interfere with a process and it could delay it and they can accidentally release in the small intestine or in the stomach and they can make you sick. And I accidentally made this mistake three months later. I had a full stomach. I like, well, let me take a couple of capsules and I gave myself SIBO, oh, no. which you do not want to give yourself SIBO. It is a horrible condition. <laughs> and I was able to reverse it. It took me about a week to reverse it, but it, it I want to emphasize this. This is complicated. It's not that simple. For every day, and I took a break of one day or two within this 10-day period, it was a 12-day period. And and again, my, my son produces fecal matter every, usually every day, but not every day. So there were two days he didn't produce, so I didn't do this. But but how how throughout the day you said a hundred capsules? Are you taking these all at once? Or are you taking these like in three batches? Or how did you how did you do it? No, I I sit in my bed in my well back then it was my my bathroom. I have a very large bathroom, so I fill each capsule, and I consume each capsule immediately. So I consume it within less than an hour. I process and consume within less than an hour. I think two hours is still okay, but you want to take the microbiome as fresh as possible if you if you have the ability to do so. Yeah, but most people don't have a donor who's <laughs> right there in their house, yeah. ready to give each day. So so you're not freeze drying or anything. You're taking you're taking a solution. Yes. Presumably have some sort of sterile way of getting the the solution into the capsules without spilling. And well, so the challenge that that are that the biotech industry has with this procedure 
is that we are used to being in a sterile environment. And this is the most, the dirtiest thing you can possibly imagine within the biotech industry is poop. There is 500 bacteria species. Right. And like 90% of our DNA is basically bacteria species. And uh, this could explain probably why, why we have more DNA from the mother than the father, because we inherit all of these species when we're born. One of my many crazy theories. So I feel each capsule because the, the enzymes of this, uh, the FMT will start dissolving the capsules from the inside. Mm. At the same time, the acid in your stomach probably put some pressure on the capsules and then the once it hits the colon then it releases and this is why fresh i normally and if you're healthy if you can if you can process food fast or 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 normal fresh capsules are not a problem but if you have a slow digestion i normally tell when people call me and ask me for my advice i say well i would personally do enema if i am constipated but if I am digesting very fast, I do capsules and I will fast 16 hours before and not eat anything for two and a half hours. Part of the biotech industry testing for any any product is we take that, that you're consumed. This is called the acid simulation or the stomach simulation test. So you take a, a strong acid. I got a swimming pool, so I got the acids from a swimming pool and I put the capsules in it and the capsules will last in a stomach acid for a long period of time, but that does not simulate the pressure your stomach will put on the on all the the other colon areas that are going to put on the enzymes that are there. So that's why I try to when I do a fresh, I do it within very very quickly or any type of capsule. And the the frozen, they normally have to use a double capsule to prevent them from falling apart. If, if you actually Put it in, you will see within two or three minutes the capsule starts. Once you put the fecal matter in the capsule, the capsule starts dissolving from the inside. They start getting soft. <laughs> so I just fill them, take them, and I, when people call me and ask me for details, I said, you, you don't sit and do ten. You do one. If you're really desterile, you do two or three. And if you can swallow those three at the same time, sure. If you can't, do one at a time. Okay. And, but do you have some sort of a capsule filling system to make sure there's no fecal matter on the outside of the capsules, what I was getting at? Oh, yes, yes. So so I use a syringe mm-hmm. with a needle, a, a blunt needle, okay. to make sure that all the drops go in. Sometimes I use a pipetter. Yeah. And in that way, and I'm, I'm so after 25 years working on, on, on many, uh, I have the dexterity of a god. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was born in a veterinarian hospital so as a child. I, we were mouth by petting from five years of age. So I'm actually very good at, at dispensing uh, things. Okay. But it, again, the, the normal person might not have. It sounds like a, like a, oh, I'm exaggerating. No, no, it, it is actually an art to dispense and, and pipette. I'm People sure. have to go through extensive training to do this for years. Excuse this brief interruption, but I wanted to remind you that if you've been struggling with IBS, IBD, reflux, gastritis, SIBO, dysbiosis, candida, diarrhea, constipation, and all that gut health stuff. That's my specialty. So I work with clients not just here in Tucson, Arizona, where I live, but also virtually on video chat. And I offer single appointments as well as a five-session gut health program for people with tougher gut health issues or mental health or autoimmune challenges that go along with that, who likely require testing and longer-term follow-up as well as 12-week programs for weight loss. 
If you think that a five-session or longer course of health coaching might help you meet your health goals, you can set up a free 30-minute breakthrough session with me to talk about what you've been going through. And I'll listen and hear if it sounds like I have something in my toolkit that you haven't already tried and let you know if I think that health coaching would be appropriate for you. You can find a link for that in the show notes. And I hope to hear from you. Okay. Now let me stop you for a second. Say you, so you said you went on the carnivore diet. What changes did you see from that versus the ones you saw after with from the FMT? They were very similar. They were a little slower. For the carnivore diet, it took close to a week to start feeling the, the pain stopped on the bladder. Mm-hmm. The fibromyalgia also went away. The IBS did not. And, and was your IBS like a, a IBSD or an IBSC? Uh, I, I don't know the difference. Oh, diarrhea or constipation? Oh, sorry, diarrhea. Okay. Uh, D. Uh, I mean, it started with a C probably earlier on, but it, it mm-hmm. usually on most people and end up progressing yeah. uh, to a D. But it is possible that it might have not been as much IBS that it, because a high fat diet makes you very regular. Some people take nine months to a year and a half for them to, the tool to solidify. I did it for six months and then I added some carbs on and off. But uh, most conditions tend to not improve significantly. My hair started growing and my eyesight started getting better. I don't remember what my graduation was, but it improved by 50%. Mm-hmm. So where I needed to see you before with glasses, I, I don't need them now for, for long distance. I only need them for reading. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> I, okay. I was, I'm still shocked. And, and there is other things that, that I didn't list that, that were unexpected. So some people ask me, Oh, well, it maybe it was, uh, it was in your head. It was a placebo effect. And I'm like, uh, I used to bite my nails in age 10. I, I was constantly biting my nails. I don't bite them anymore. When I came out of clonazepam, I had fetish. I could not leave my house or, or be anywhere without a hat, including inside my house. I have 30 hat collection right now. And all of a sudden, within two hours, it took me a week to realize that, hey, I've been a week without wearing a hat. Hmm. It was odd. a very <laughs> odd thing. So I have some theories about the nail biting is that your body is, so, is starving so much for this bacteria that it's looking any dirt under your nails hmm. to pick it up in your stomach. Interesting. Okay. And then I have some other things that you had put on the list for me, high cholesterol and triglycerides. Oh, that disappeared with a carnivore diet. Okay. And the I, H- I was shocked. The high blood pressure, was it? Also, my blood pressure last time I measured it. Well, sorry, my blood pressure did not change a lot, but I'm not sure if it's because I was not eating enough salt and I was having the occasional drink. Okay. So about a few months ago, I did quit cold turkey alcohol, or at least I cut down to a significant level. This is the problem with FMT. Everybody wants to go partying the moment they FMT. <laughs> it works. How <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> they can live again. I know. You feel you want to be normal. Yeah. We all want to be normal. So I I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was 90 over 50 <laughs> uh, about two years ago. And so I went to the doctor about a month ago and it was 70, low 70s over one. 2119, I want to, I think it was, which I was like, I haven't had that blood pressure since I was on my late teens. You mean 120 over 70? Yeah, 120 over 70. Right, okay. Oh, so you were saying it was 190 before? 
Yeah, 150 or 90. Okay, because I thought you said 90, which I've, I've had blood pressures taken that were 90 or 50, and the, and the people were a little bit nervous. And they're like, is it usually oh. that low? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're a, yeah. I mean, you're, you're very thin. I, I work with a lot of pathologists, and I'm not a pathologist or a doctor, but I do remember that there is a significant difference between women and men on blood pressure, and it may be also diet related. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, I know. I just, I, I've had doctors tell me, eat more salt. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I, so we've been told that salt was horrible for us. And I went from eating, and my doctors, I, I nearly cut off all salt to lower, and my blood pressure did not drop. I'm eating fistful of salt, and my blood pressure is beautiful. Yeah, well, I, I tend to think of high blood pressure along with the entire spectrum of metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, yeah. and I think it's high cholesterol go along with that. So, yeah. Anyway, so your pre-diabetes did that also resolve under the carnivore diet? Yes, yes, it uh, it improved significant. I mean, significantly. No, it it went away. I I don't get those blah after you have a meal. Mm-hmm. I can run all day. And one of the let me go back a second. So I mean, I, I did a whole video on the night after. I was feeling a bit of anxiety, and I thought it was a lot of anxiety what I was feeling when I did the FMT. But because I had that surgery on my lung, I can tell changes in my breathing pattern better than most people. So I felt my lung started stretching. And I'm free breathing abnormally compared to how, I mean, I was breathing normal, not abnormal, but I always been breathing abnormal, so I couldn't tell the difference. And what I realized is that, you know, children breathe through a diaphragm. So all of a sudden, I'm using my full lung capacity. I'm standing straight that I always had like a hump and scoliosis. All of a sudden, I'm standing super straight. And same happened with a carnivore diet. You start standing a lot more straight than before. Your your muscle mass and tone gets improved significantly. And so I'm breathing and I'm I'm only needing to sleep four hours, and I'm all wired up like a two-year-old running around the house <laughs> with so much energy. And so I wrote like a, a thirty-thousand-page book in a week. I had come down since, but those ten days of FMT were were just I. I it was like Superman. <laughs> yeah, and and with the carnivore diet, your your sleep pattern gets reduced because you you get better quality of sleep so you don't need to sleep 12 i used to sleep 12 hours today and i was exhausted now four six hours i can i mean i'm trying not to run a marathon because i'm just (laughs) done with that but uh god feeling so good okay and so so just to differentiate between the carnivore diet so it sounds like you did the carnivore diet and most of your things cleared up but then you start eating some more carbs and then then maybe some of those things were sort of sort of coming back or what was coming back or what was still an issue at the time you did FMT. One of the problems with a carnivore diet for me is that I didn't have the right bacteria to even process some types of meat. So I couldn't do dry meats, aged meats and a, a lot of different meats that are higher in histamine. So I had to basically eat raw beef almost. So I cinched it 30 seconds per side and that was it. She was a pretty, I mean, it's not the worst life, but it's not the greatest either. Yeah. So when I did the FMT, it allowed me to process all these other meats I couldn't eat before and, and occasionally cheat and, and have a normal life. I can go out and I can have sushi and I don't have to just eat the sashimi. Mm-hmm. You know, I can have some rice to it and I don't have to pay for it heavily. I'm trying not to do it every day, 
because I mean, from my research indicates that, you know, human beings are not supposed to eat as much carbs as we're eating now. And that's usually, that seems to be the root cause of all these illnesses, or at least what been, it starts the illnesses from progressing. That and antibiotics seems to be the issue. But yeah, the carnivore diet was very interesting in that, that it, it helped me improve, but the quality of life was not the greatest when you came to a social life. Yeah. And, you know, so eventually you get bored and blah of, of, of eating fat and lard. It's just, mm-hmm. you need a, at least a day off once in a while. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty miserable. <laughs> so how did you assess your son's fitness as a donor for FMT? Mm. Well, I developed a very long questionnaire and probably won't bore you with every detail because I don't have it open and it's hard to remember every single step of it. But I developed this based on what I know. So I developed this for a couple of tissue banks in my career where you have to assess a donor. It's not just blood work. That does not tell you what the microbiome is like. The microbiome is associated with pretty much everything. So if you're losing hair or your hair is thinning, that's a microbiome issue. If you don't have good muscle tone, microbiome issue, eyesight your skin. I looked at my son and the first thing is, okay, how was he born? Vaginal birth. Ding, ding. That's a good one. Breastfed till it was one year and eight months. I exposed him to dirt. And that's that's a huge thing for children. Right now, they're trucking in, uh, I can't remember what European country are trucking dirt to kindergarten so kids can play with dirt. <laughs> so I, I had run in a, a previous study from Mongolia where they took where they found out that Mongolian people consume more dairy than anybody per capita, I think, uh, and they don't have a genetic abnormality to process that much dairy. And the reason is because they don't sterilize their dairy products. They're still heavily contaminated with the, with the organisms that live in that natural environment. So I let my son play with a dog. I didn't sterilize the house. I just clean very, very normal. We go out in the dirt. I get cow manure, throw it everywhere in the garden. He plays. He gets dirty. He fights the dog, sticks his hand in it. Sometimes I cringe when I see this, but he sticks the dog bone in his mouth. <laughs> so I let him do these normal things that I guess a Paleolithic men were doing. Yes. And that's why they were healthy and strong. And, and people from, and I, I was born in a third world country. The healthiest people are the countryside people that work directly with the farm and the animals. So I, I, I did that. And then because children are a harder target to get, you, you also examine the mother because their microbiome comes from the mother. So the mother doesn't have any health issues that at least I'm aware of. And you also want to see the demeanor of the person that you're transplanting it from. And that the demeanor is, a, is also a big indicator is a person has depression, anxiety, sad in, in thought, erratic behaviors. Right. Yeah. So, so but but in terms of pathogens, you did a GI map on your son, right? Eventually I did. At first I didn't do it because I didn't suspect him to have any pathogens. Mm-hmm. It is a, you know, most pathogens, they, they show in, in different patterns. But, you know, at the time I was I had nothing to lose. Yeah, so, so it does kind of sound like it. Yeah. And I did, I, I saw the GI map from your son, and I noticed that he does have H. pylori in his gut, so I'm just curious about yes. about your well, thoughts on, on taking in stool that has H. pylori. Yes, H. pylori is natural. There is H. pylori, and then there is H. pylori, and then there is a, a, an amount of H. pylori. So if you read 
there is a target and then there is a number and the number is below the target. So I think the target is 10 to the three or the four. And then the amount he has is about one standard, one, one log below that. Mm-hmm. So that is normal. And then I think below you have all the pathogenic type of pylories. Cause I mean, you, you can consume, for example, raw food that has E. coli and nothing happens because it, it has not switched. Or you could drink dairy that has uh, candida and you're not going to get sick from right. candidiasis. Yeah. Cause it doesn't have the, the virulence factors. Yes. Yes. So, but I do, I mean, I do see a lot of clients who have H. pylori with no virulence factors, but they are very symptomatic. And, and even clients whose H. pylori shows up on the GI map below the reference range, mm-hmm. but still, again, are symptomatic and very much improved after it's gone. Yeah. So, so I'm, I, I'd be hesitant, to be honest. I would be hesitant to take an H. pylori. But as you said, you, you didn't have much to lose. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to find or it's very rare to impossible to find a person without any type, any amount of H. pylori. Yeah. So, and that's why you, you, you do the, the examination. Okay. You have H. pylori. Is it making you sick? Mm-hmm. No. So then you have normal, healthy amount of H. pylori. Right. It's, there's enough of other yeah. good bacteria to keep yeah. it in check. Yes. And for example, my ex-wife and one of my cousins, they developed a bad type of H. pylori and but they are symptomatic. If you're right. asymptomatic, it's very likely that uh, that that H. pylori is not really pathogenic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you did over 10 days, you were taking a bunch of capsules a day. Did you do any kind of ongoing FMT protocol then after that? No, I chose the, the, the fasting before and after, 16 hours before and after. And I tried to eat a low carb diet except for the foods I was introducing on my experiment. So my, my reasoning is that, so every person has, but it's a yeasts, aerobes and anaerobes. So you want to, so they have an, let's call it an army. Let's call it the 300 because you have about five to 25 pounds of poop in your gut. And what you're introducing is, let's just say most companies that sell this, they sell about 10 grams per dose. So it's a very, very small amount. So the, the 300 is fighting the Persian army of a million. Mm-hmm. To give it a fighting chance, you have to cut down on the, the bad bacteria you have in your gut. So it's, you give them a fighting chance. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just go crazy eating carbs. And, and this is why it doesn't work long term or if it doesn't work at all for most people, especially unless you got the, the dose that I, I introduced on myself. I also put my son under the same diet. So I increase the chances of his microbiome to be strong. So my son has always been on a, I will call it a paleo diet with dairy and high fat. Mm-hmm. And I myself on a, on a high fat diet. And okay. that probably helped with, with that. Okay. And so just to go back interstitial cystitis. Mm-hmm. So after the, Fecal transplant, did that completely resolve or is there still some trace of that? No, there is some traces. The, the frequency improved significantly around the first, around 10, the 10, day 10 mm-hmm. of the experiment. But eventually the frequencies, when I started introducing more carbs, started getting worse. So right now I'm going back to eating a more carnivore diet again. Mm-hmm. So and when I you can, say Carbs? Are you talking about vegetables? Are we talking about rice? What? What do you? Oh, any type of carbs. They bread. unfortunately, yeah, they 
So I I, I spoke with a candida expert, and she explained to me. So I did another experiment later on, but let's just leave that one aside. She explained to me that the reason why her and a lot of other scientists suspect that a lot of these conditions are caused by candidiasis. Mm-hmm. And the reason you can really eliminate it entirely is because it fits through the bloodstream directly, not through the stomach only. Even if you cut off all, all carbohydrates and sugar, you just basically put them dormant or slow them down, but they're still going to be there. Right, right. Your your body converts protein to glucose. To sugar. Yeah, car- yeah, glucose, sorry. Yeah, so... I guess until we figure something out, I'm stuck with this. Yeah, and have you have you <laughs> tried reducing oxalates? Well, I guess you're, if you're only eating meat, you're not having any oxalates, but but any kind of oxalates. I think it's path. I I, I forgot the names of them, but yeah, I have reduced all of that, and the, it it makes a difference on other things on the IC of the bladder, not as much. I think it's just I'm gonna guess it's just glucose the yeah. issue with that. Okay, yeah, because I see a lot of people who have urgency and maybe not an official IC diagnosis, but mm-hmm. then when they go on calcium citrate to help absorb oxalate crystals and then also reduce their oxalates in their diet. That improves a lot. I mean, you, you also going to get some oxalates from animals that consume these vegetables and then you're processing because they, they are not already eating the natural diet that they're supposed to be eating. We're eating them high, high corn uh, diet, but yeah, I can't afford to go. I mean, a carnivore diet is already expensive enough to, to do a, mm-hmm. an all grass fed diet. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know you have posted several videos to YouTube. Can you yeah. tell me about what those videos are about? And I'll link to those in the show sure. notes. Well, I, I wanted to teach people how to process as aseptic as possible. And because I've seen a lot of videos, but they don't explain a lot of things mm-hmm. about the processing the FMT. I, I did an entire video on how to assess a donor based on, on the characteristics uh, of the donor. Mm-hmm. And let me see, I did another one explaining why the histamine. So a lot of people with SIBO call me. SIBO is a tough one to help people with. But I did a video explaining why the histamine reaction happens. Mm-hmm. Because of the slowing down on the body of, of the food processing that it starts rotting. You don't have the right bacteria to clear it out of the way. It just sits there, rots, creates all this histamine, and you start getting worse. And uh, I, I, I was, I got requests to do it also in Spanish. I'm, I'm bilingual. I mean, I'm, I'm multilingual, but I, I do best in two. Then let me see what other ones. Oh, I did a, a video called Tricks and Tips on how to process FMT because the gag and reflex, we have been programmed to think of poop as a bad thing. And all of a sudden you're trying, no matter how you encapsulate it, you have to sit there and process it and smell it and it smells awful and i have worked with cadaveric tissue i have worked with with a lot of things that that were disgusting but this one was the worst so i i explain how to put vicks under your nose to help you a little it is not a perfect thing how to maybe run an extractor if you're in a bathroom or near a bathroom how to stay away from from water sources because those are just going to be contaminants, although, I mean, poop is already heavily contaminated. But keeping pets away so you're not dealing with the dog hair can just get in it or cat hair. And how to clean at the area, what, what materials and equipment to use, what's the right type of capsules and the, 
the type of syringe is probably going to be more beneficial versus because a lot of people want, oh, I want to use a pipetter. Sounds cool, but it's not a, it gets plugged very easily. So a 10 cc syringe is probably the best with a, with a blunt tip. Even if, if you cannot get the blunt tip, just assist the 10 cc syringe will be good enough. Like I originally bought a 60 cc syringe, which was very big and bulky to maneuver. So I, I settle after all the equipment that I bought on, on a 10 cc syringe. Okay. And just to make sure people don't go off and just grab their kid's stool and start doing FMTs, I do want to say, you know, it is a good idea to test for all types of pathogens. So. There's, yeah, I can, it is I can a good link idea. to um, a list of all of the different things one should be testing for. I think it's a European consensus or something on yes. stool testing for FMT, so I can link to that. Yes. There is, a, there is the European consensus. The FDA has some guidance. There is also, I mean, the GI map is, is a good test to conduct, and the, you have to go through a doctor. The doctor, is, you can call him and, and ask him. Or talk to a microbiologist or somebody. I, I I have read and reviewed a lot of, and I'm not. I don't work as a microbiologist, but I work with a lot of laboratories that were under my supervision that I, I have. I understood enough, and I have to release tissue product as part of quality engineering. So I I can read them well enough, but I I, I wouldn't call me to to release for other people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Better an expert. Okay. Are there any supplements that you took in addition to doing FMT that were useful for your situation? When I did it, I didn't. Because on, on itself, the FMT is going to be much better than any anything you can take. Uh, later on, I discovered there is some some supplements and, and, and other bacteria that you can take that, that can help different conditions. So I ran into a study that used L-glutamine to rebuild the gut. Because most of our conditions are, they seem to be linked to leaky gut or, or they're causing the gut to leak for some reason. And the L-glutamine, I think the study suggested 15 to 20 grams a day. And it helped about 70 something percent of people with IBS. Then I run into a few other studies that use, one use Bolardi. Saccharomyces Bolardi. Saccharomyces Bolardi. It's a yeast. To, yeah, sorry, I eat a yeast. Um, that uses the Bolardi to treat SIBO. So if you cannot get your hands on FMT, I, I would try that. And then Lactobacillus casei. Uh, and it's been a couple of years since I, I deal with microbiology, so for my, my apologies. Lactobacillus casei seems to help people with prostatitis or, or chronic bladder pain. Which So I see of the bladder, sometimes it's called BPS, which means bladder pain. BPS, PBS, they, it has many different acronyms and, and names, so they, the consensus is still out there. I personally think that all of them are the same condition, so this is my theory. Your microbiome is about 70% of your immune system, and then your genetics are the other issue that you have. So your microbiome can protect your genetic deficiencies if they're still not being stressed out enough. So it, it protects them. Once the microbiome starts dying, then all your genetic conditions start causing problems. My theory seems to make sense is, for example, people with schizophrenia, when you do an X-ray of their brain, it, you can tell that the person has schizophrenia, but not everybody that has that brain condition is schizophrenic. 
And my theory is that is the microbiome what basically protects that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is people with, with that genetic trait of celiac. You don't see them with celiac disease. So it, it, it is complicated. And I think that using these solar ways can, can probably improve your odds if you are doing, I didn't know then what I know now, mm-hmm. but right now I'm, I'm taking Polardi, I'm taking Casei, and I'm doing the L-glutamine. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty common supplement for leaky yeah. gut sealing up and post-gut or, or concurrent yeah. with gut healing protocols. But, but I got to tell you, it's very hard to think straight when you have all these conditions I'm on sure. top of you and you're coming out of clonazepam. So the things that are clear and simple and make sense now, I don't even know how I held the job for the last 15 years. I, I'm still wondering about that. And read all the studies and, and did all that stuff. So yes. yeah, it's, it's great that you've been able to. I rebuilt houses with fibromyalgia. I was passing out every now and then, raised children. Hey, I don't know how I did Sheer any of that. Sheer willpower, I think. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think having a positive attitude has a lot to do with it because even if you're feeling miserable, if, if you have a good attitude and you're still hopeful and you just keep pushing through, then somehow yeah. versus hopelessness, I, I, I see people who are truly yeah. hopeless and it's heck of a yeah. lot harder to push through. I want to do a video on this, but I don't really know how to do it. I, I don't really like videos that much, but I get people calling me and they're like, I've been suffering for a couple of years and I'm like, try 40. <laughs> <laughs> and just to back up, like, what do you think destroyed your microbiome? Did you take a lot of antibiotics or? Yes. When I was around 10, I was very thin and the doctor thought that there was a bacteria in my gut that, that he needed to kill. So I was given abnormal overdose of tetracycline. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. So I developed a lot of skin cancer since it was like every year. That does also seem to have stabilized. Skin cancers. Oh, God. Yeah, As a like child. 15. From age 12 or 12, wow. yeah. Till like, like basal cell carcinomas, years, yeah. not like melanomas. Oh, all of them. Really? Even melanomas? Yeah. Wow. I have several melanomas, one of them on late stages. It almost entered my bloodstream. It was mm-hmm. about, I'll say about an inch, inch and a half in diameter. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I'm a human wreck. I got yeah. more stitches than a baseball. <laughs> I'm glad that one didn't go metastatic. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing about your experience with us. It's very It's been an, an absolute pleasure. And anytime you need to reach out and talk to me about anything, I'll do my very best. I'm not an expert on all of this because it's not my full-time job, but I do what I can to help people because I no one should suffer what I've gone through. This is not good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Sam Lindsay. Okay, take best. care. Sorry about the... Not great audio quality there, but I've done my best to edit it and to try and clean that up. If you'd like to connect with me online, you can follow my High Desert Health Facebook page, join my Gut Healing Facebook group, or join my newsletter list at highdeserthealthcoaching.com, or follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. And links for those are in the show notes. Thank you all for joining me today, and here's wishing you all the perfect storm.